Hi, and welcome to On the Blue Couch. I'm Kathleen, and I'm coming to you from my couch in my office in Lakeview, an area of Chicago. This podcast provides information, inspiration, and reflections on all things that happen within us and around us to live today and fully. This is episode five, Mindfulness, Meditation, and Charlie Bucket. Hi all, and thanks for listening to this fifth podcast. Yes, we're going to be talking about meditation today. And there's a few different reasons I've decided to make this the topic for today. One being that we've been talking about stress for these past two episodes, those being stress it down and bridging the stress gap. So we really started by talking about, okay, what exactly is this thing called stress? What is chronic stress? And what are the physiological and biological neurological reactions when um, our kind of alarm system goes off as a result of reading that there's something in our environment that is requiring us to fight or flight, sometimes freeze, but that there's a cascade of reactions that happens that's directly connected to our nervous system and this release of chemicals and hormones over time can really lead to physical and mental illness. And I went over what the numbers look like concerning illness and doctor visits and the amount of money that the billions of dollars that are lost in productivity and medical bills each year related to stress. So It's a problem and it's not getting any better. So I got into the fact that the research also supports that we know how stressed we are. Like we have a really good idea about that. It's no surprise. And we have a really hard time actually doing something about it. We have a hard time moving into action. So in Bridging the Stress Gap, I really walked you through looking at what's inside of you that helps you you know, survive life, get through your day, things like humor, resilience, uh, being hopeful, uh, things like that. And then we moved into what are the stressors in your life? So what are you encountering on a daily basis? There might be some bigger Mack truck stressors going across your bridge, maybe pedestrians walking across it, you know, each one representing um, a certain kind of stressor, intensity of a stressor. And then we moved into, okay, what are your external resources? Who are the people in your life who make life better? Those are really good people to have, the people who make your life better um, and not worse. And then also looked at, okay, so what are the things that you really need to add more of? What do you need to engage? What things work for you that maybe you haven't done in a while? It might be hobbies. It might be some sort of relaxation. So that's one reason I want to talk about meditation today, because what you really want to be able to do is engage that part of your nervous system that really brings you down to baseline, okay? So our alarm system activates one, and we really want to engage that parasympathetic part of our nervous system, and that really can be engaged through doing meditation, um, short-term and long-term effects. Uh, positive ones. The other thing is I was thinking this week about the first time I walked into my first group meditation, which was about 10 years ago. 
And one reason I've been thinking about it was because my first group meditation was at a meetup. So for those of you who do not know what that is, um, you can go to meetup.com and they're meetups for people who share similar interests. So all you need to do is search things that you're interested in doing and they're usually like-minded people who enjoy doing the same things. So it can be anything. I mean, it can be things like people who like talking about Star Trek over coffee or moms who like to ice skate, uh, people who just like to read books in general. Um, And so there are lots of meditation groups, and that's how I went to my first one. And so I started one this week through Meetup, and it's called First Tuesday Lakeview Group Meditation. And for now, we're starting with uh, guided meditation and then just leading into focusing on the breath. And so any of you in the Chicago area, please join us. Um, You don't have to be part of the Meetup. You can just uh, email me directly and I'll give you information. Uh, The other thing is for people who are not in the Chicago area, I will offer you a lot of good resources on my uh, podcast blog. So things like downloadable guided meditations, um, maybe resources, books that you can read about, you know, everything and anything meditation. And you can always get on a meetup, type in your city and then type in meditation, and you're likely to find a group. Of course, you can always Google groups in your area. You'll probably be surprised by the by the amount of meditation that is likely in your area. Um, I can't speak for all places, but if you've never searched it before, you're, you'll probably be surprised, um, especially in the bigger cities, by the availability um, and what's out there. Okay, so around the first time that I walked into my first group meditation, I do want to share with you um, some of the foundations that I had learned um, unexpectedly that came at the right time. Okay, so I was working at a psychiatric rehabilitation agency in the Chicago area. It was really intense work, crisis heavy, um, very stressful, you know, low pay, just kind of what you imagine with a nonprofit. And I really did enjoy the work. It was just could be very stressful at times. And at that time, we were implementing at our agency a therapy called Dialectical Behavior Therapy, or DBT. And I will provide a link and information on my, on my blog. And one of the things I was introduced to was this concept mindfulness. And I'm going to define that for you in a moment. But Marshall Linehan, the developer of this cognitive behavioral therapy, pulled from Eastern philosophy. Um, and this cognitive behavioral therapy works on things like emotional regulation, you know, being able to tolerate um, intense emotions. Uh, being able to self-soothe, being able to tolerate distress, being able to ask for you for what you want um, and need, as well as set boundaries with others. So it's a skills training that actually a lot of my coworkers, we really said, this is great. This is great for us too. And so it really became something that we enjoyed as coworkers and clients, and it felt just much more uh, community and connected in the fact that we all, you know, had benefits from learning about DBT. So one of the parts, again, is that was introduced to all of us was this concept of mindfulness. And the way that Marshall Linehan really shared it was And I always kind of describe this Venn diagram that I think really helps you to understand what 
what helps you get into mindfulness is that we have this reasonable mind and we have this emotional mind. So think about the reasonable slash rational part of yourself, like what that mind sounds like. So this rational slash reasonable mind is that part that is the more logical, kind of intellectualizing part that is able to make plans, do research, uh, you know, call up facts, maybe look up facts. So it's really the part that provides information kind of thing, organizes things. Now, emotion mind, when I say that, what does that evoke in you? Can you imagine yourself when you are just in emotion mind? Okay, this is the part that can be playful. This is the part that can be really reactive, um, can get into kind of more the fight or flight response. Um, This can be the part that can be more impulsive, uh, maybe spontaneous. So that there's a clear differentiation between the two. Okay, so then there's what is called wise mind. And that's kind of the goal or the thing that we can describe this as a goal. When you bring together both the emotional and rational mind and you get into what is called wise mind. So think of a Venn diagram, which is part of actually DBT um, in the workbook. And think of reasonable mind in one circle and then emotion mind in another and they're overlapping. And that Venn diagram right in the middle, there's what is called wise mind. So this is what I'm really talking about. Wise mind is like this place of presence where you're in this moment with intuition, openness, where you're observing and without judgment. And so that's really what brings us into mindfulness. So I want you to think for a moment because I just recently came across this article that was saying that this man went really kind of got overreactive over losing um, a parking space. So I don't know the story around it. I don't know what he was experiencing that day. But imagine that you are in a parking lot and you really want a certain parking space. And like you've been waiting there with your blinker on, okay? So let's start with emotion mind, which I think is the most likely place that people can go if somebody whizzed in there and took your space, So imagine what you might look like in emotion mind if somebody took your parking space that you clearly had been waiting for, okay? So there's probably a whole range of kind of emotional reactions. You know, are you more just holding it in? Are you yelling in your car? Are you yelling at the person? Are you just so frustrated you drive off and, you know, you screech your tires? Um... You know, there's a whole range of things that could possibly happen. Now, think about what you would be like in reasonable mind if somebody took your parking space. Yeah, think for a moment what that would look like if you were being just logical about the whole situation, like pulling in facts about the situation. So it'd be kind of like, uh, that person just took my spot. Hmm. Um, I know that there are parking spots on the east side of this shopping center or wherever you are. I know that it's one o'clock right now. I know after lunchtime that there's more spaces available, you know, things like that. So it's pretty logical, rational. You're not really, you're intellectualizing things possibly. 
So imagine what you'd be like in wise mind. Think about that for a moment. So getting into wise mind is that wise part of you. And it does involve cultivation and nurturing and kind of setting up an intention of going there. Um, But that's where we get into mindfulness. And I want to define that right now. So mindfulness is being in the present moment and focusing your attention on your emotions, thoughts, and sensations. Okay. And accepting these thoughts, sensations, feelings in a non-judgmental stance, okay? And even if you were to go into judging, you would not judge your judging. So it's, it's intentional, it's accepting, and again, it's taking a non-judgmental stance as you observe what is happening moment to moment. And so this brings me now to talk about Charlie Bucket, the character in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, The book itself was written by Dahl and published in 1960s, a really dark book, actually. Um, I'm going to be talking about the 1970s movie version, which I've seen tens of dozens of times, and I think I'm due for another viewing. Um, It's a classic Gene Wilder plays Willy Wonka. He's great in that role. Brilliant, as usual. Um, But I decided to talk about Charlie's character because he really represents, for me, what it can mean to be mindful. And not that we're mindful all the time, but there are particular moments that I remember in that movie that evoke that kind of feeling of being mindful for me. And especially against the backdrop of caricature kind of characters that represent things like addiction, gluttony, um, materialism. Uh, You have this cast of characters that um, are pretty obnoxious, actually. And then you have Charlie, who is living in what we would consider poverty. And he lives with his, in the movie version, he lives with two sets of grandparents and his mother. They have very little to eat. His mother works very long hours. And, you know, Charlie just lives his daily life going to school and being connected with his family. They're very important to him. And so he basically is living in kind of like a bare bones environment. He's not having all these things surrounding him. He's clearly not into materialistic things. Um, He just wants to be happy and he wants his family to be happy. So there's all these other things, themes and archetypes that come up in this movie, which would be fun to look at. But for purposes of today, I just want to look at the mindfulness part of it. Okay, so Charlie has always been interested in this chocolate factory. There's many stories because nobody really knows what goes on in this factory. Um, It's never been open to the public, and Charlie runs into a peddler on the road who tells him no one ever goes in and no one ever comes out. And he and his Grandpa Joe stay up late talking about, you know, all the mysteries of this kind of scary, um, unknown factory. Well, the story moves on in that uh, Willy Wonka himself uh, reveals that there's five golden tickets, okay, that are hidden throughout the world in bars of chocolate. 
And whoever gets that golden ticket gets one, a lifetime supply of chocolate and two, passage into the factory itself. So what's been closed and mysterious now becomes open to five lucky people. Okay, so I mentioned that there's this cast of characters and I briefly want to introduce them. And one is Veruca Salt. And she is this child who represents materialism, always wanting more, always thinking about the future, um, also about what she doesn't have, um, never has enough. And if you really want to see kind of a whiny, stomping a foot, uh, very much described as a bratty character, uh, she is the one to watch. Uh, you also have Augustus Gloop, who is constantly eating, um, I believe he's from Germany in the movie, but he's constantly just eating and can never get enough food. And his mother is always kind of babying him and giving him whatever he wants. Uh, you have Violet, who is this world record holder in gum chewing. And for me, she kind of evokes this kind of nervousness, this anxiety. You're always chomping on your gum. Um, and not really enjoying the gum or being with the gum in the moment. You're just chewing it to, to win, to win and to hold some sort of world record. Um, and then you have Mike TV who watches hours and hours and hours of television. And that to me represents kind of that numbing out, not being present with oneself, um, not being connected to oneself and not being connected to others, just kind of in this days of watching hours and hours of television. It's kind of like a trance. Okay, so I'm going to provide a link on to YouTube for the scene of all the characters going into the chocolate room. And here you kind of see the differences in being present and being focused on other things. Um, so you see... Everybody walk into the chocolate room. Willy Wonka, again played by Gene Wilder, uh, begins singing the song Pure Imagination. And this room is just vibrant with colors. And it looks like this candy forest kind of thing where everything is edible. Um, and so as people are entering and walking on the stairs, you see Veruca and Violet elbowing each other for who gets to be first. I mean, what is mindful in that? There's already this who gets to be first to enter this room rather than really taking it in. And then you see Charlie just looking in awe and he's he seems very present with what is what is happening. He's following Willy Wonka. He's noticing when Willy Wonka kind of steps back. He steps back with Willy Wonka. So he's kind of in sync with everyone and attuned to what's around him. Um, he just seems to have this kind of warm stance about him. And when I think of mindfulness, it's being in that present moment. And I think Charlie is representing that in this scene. And then you see later on Augustus Gloop, you know, once everybody can go into the room and take their, try the different candies and food and all that's edible, you just see him eating very quickly an item of food that he found. So he's not taking in the flavor. He's not being present with eating. And there is this thing called mindful eating. Having mindfulness while eating rather than just kind of shoving food into our faces, which I know that at some point a lot of us have done. Um, but it's a it's a fun song, and I'm just going to share a quote with you. Uh, in the song, it's uh, Gene Wilder sings, 
There is no life I know to compare with pure imagination. Living there, you'll be free if you truly wish to be. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do it. Want to change the world? There's nothing to it. So there's that one line of if you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. So there is a being present with it, not being distracted by other things. Being in that moment, taking in the sensations, the feelings, what's around you, what's happening internally for you. I think that really captures the mindfulness. Now, I'm sure there could be other arguments made for what this song also represents, but I think for purposes of today, I'm going to talk about it as far as being mindful. Okay, so I also want to share this term with you, mindsight. Daniel Siegel coined this term, and I will have a link to some of his stuff because he's written some books that if you want to learn more about mindsight, he has a book by the same name. Um, So Daniel Siegel describes mindsight as this, and it's our human capacity to perceive the mind of the self and others. This is directly from his website. Um, It is a powerful lens through which we can understand our inner lives with more clarity, integrate the brain, and enhance our relationships. Um, It involves a focused attention that allows us to observe ourselves and brings us out of that kind of trance, daze, autopilot kind of stance. So we're more connected with ourselves and we're more connected with others. Okay, so I want to share with you this tripod to mindsight that uh, Daniel Siegel talks about. And I want to be clear that this is the what we're focusing on today is the aspect of our inner experience because meditation does cultivate our ability to really observe um, and be objective and be open and those things are also kind of not required but part of meditation too so there's kind of this back and forth between the two um but for a camera to sit on this tripod of mindsight um you have to have these three aspects for the camera to capture with clarity the experience that is happening. So the openness is just kind of this being receptive to what's happening, that there are no shoulds, there are no should nots. It's just being and what is, is, and being open to that. Observation is this kind of, it's moving away from labeling and more into describing Um, you're describing and participating and taking more of kind of this reflective stance of what's happening. So even if, um, so rather than moving into reactivity, you're moving into this place of witnessing, of watching. Um, It's kind of removing, um, again, the reactivity from it. And then objectivity is is kind of like removing or not being as connected to the emotional mind. Um, I think of objectivity of as far as moving into more of the wise mind. Um, It's the ability to have these thoughts and have these feelings without it overwhelming you or without being the feeling. So the feeling is something that's happening and you're noticing, but it doesn't overwhelm you It's not all of you. Okay, so moving into meditation, I want to end by talking about what exactly meditation is. And I could not have really moved into this area without having talked about mindfulness. 
So I want to start by saying that meditation, there are many different types of meditation out there. And so kind of do your research, see what maybe fits well with you. Um, I don't think that one is necessarily better than the other, um, but there's you know a little bit of different philosophy or subtleties, things that are a little bit different about each one. Um, there's also a mindfulness meditation out there. Um, not to be confused with mindfulness itself. So meditation helps us to be more mindful, more living in the present moment where our mind isn't continuing to be overly activated, um, you know, with the high anxiety and lots of thoughts about past, that being the rumination, or future, that being fantasizing and forecasting what could happen. Okay, so mindfulness is that thing that you can do throughout your day, whether you're doing dishes, whether you're eating, it's a thing of just being in it and focusing on that thing can be taking a walk and just being mindful as you're taking a walk. Now, meditation is different in this way is that it's actually more, and I think of it more as a formal practice. It doesn't mean that you're required to sit in a very formal um, meditative way that you'd kind of think of as a Buddhist monk sitting, Um, but it is more of an intentional practice. So when I think of sitting meditation, you are sitting there oftentimes with your eyes closed, and if that isn't comfortable for you, you can, you know, focus on something on the ground. But there's two things here, and one is that you are calming the mind while also being aware and there's an alertness to it. So you're not laying on the ground falling asleep, which is, I think, one of what can happen if you do lie down to meditate. So I recommend when you first start that you're sitting and sitting comfortably. But meditation is focusing on your breath, maybe even focusing on a mantra. You can go through a guided meditation, but you're really tuning your mind. And I am going to provide articles or a couple articles on my website that will um, share with you some of the benefits of meditation, which I'll get into in a future podcast because I want to keep it at a half an hour today. Um, But meditation is, again, a practice, a practice of focusing inward and to notice what's coming up for you. So there's an observation without judgment, always bringing your mind back um, to what the, the intention, the focus, the focusing of breath. Think about how often we breathe. I mean, we're breathing all the time, right? We've been breathing since as far as we can remember, but we're not noticing that we're breathing. So Focusing on the very thing that you're doing all the time is bringing yourself back to your core, like the center of you. And so that's what I think is part of um, the benefits of focusing on the breath is like how much more connected can you be to oneself because you never stop breathing. You're bringing yourself back to that automatic part of you. You're becoming a participant and a witness rather than a passive breather. Okay, so for doing a seated meditation, find a place where you're going to have little distraction, where there's not going to be a lot of noise, if that's possible. Um, And you want to either sit in a chair on a sofa on the floor. If you're on the floor, you can sit on a cushion or a mat. Okay, and so I want to start by focusing on your spine. 
And there's two things that can happen. Um, you can, you know, slump or overarch. And so you kind of want to be in the middle of that. So for a moment, see what it feels like when you are a little bit slumped. And then kind of go into what you're like when you're arched. So you want to go into more of a like an upright, neutral spine. And if you're noticing any pain in your back, make adjustments or, you know, maybe you need to sit more elevated. Um, and what I mean by that is taking a few cushions where you are in a seated pose and your legs are crossed. Um, but just do make any adjustments that you need to make to feel comfortable. Um, your hands should just rest lightly on your lap or your thighs. And if you need to support them a little bit more, you can always put a blanket or uh, maybe a sweatshirt on your lap to support your hands. You just want to be comfortable and relaxed. You want to make sure that your head is balanced, um, that kind of the back of your neck is extended, but not to the point of being overextended. And I recommend closing your eyes, and if that's not comfortable for you, you can always have kind of this soft gaze um, at the floor or maybe something on the wall, but just make sure it's uh, soft. And then you want to focus on kind of relaxing your face. Um, I sometimes walk people through really kind of, first of all, letting those big muscles in your face relax and then focusing on the micro muscles of your face. You know, letting your jaw relax. Um, to the point of maybe not even having any expression on your face. Um, so once you move into that no expression, you can move into, if you want, a half smile. I think the half smile can help uh, create openness and loving kindness for oneself and compassion. So notice what happens when you do a half smile. Like, just a little bit of a smile just natural it's like what do you notice that happens internally when you do that and for a meditation where you're just focusing on the breath you're seated in this meditation kind of seated position and start with three minutes with your eyes closed just focusing on your natural breath so you don't have to overdo the breath but just breathe in and naturally just breathe out and just continue to come back to that core you can even kind of imagine the air itself flowing in and out of your body focusing on the sound of your breath what it feels like as it enters your throat and where it travels so continuing to inhale and exhale naturally and to try that for a few minutes and to do that for a couple, um, maybe twice a day. So starting with three minutes in the morning, maybe in the evening, but it's kind of like a not overdoing it because overdoing it and saying, I need to go sit for an hour and meditate, um, is not the point. It's not like the longer you meditate, the better of a meditator you are. This isn't about being the best meditator. It's about doing what works for you, meeting yourself where you are. And so 
I just wanted to start with that today. So we've talked about um, wise mind, we've talked about mindsight, we've talked about mindfulness, and we moved into talking about meditation. And I think that's a good place to stop today. And I will talk uh, more about the benefits of meditation because there are a lot. There is research to, again, support that meditation is a good thing to add to your life. I will have articles on my website, again, um, stuff on what meditation is. Um, there is one that differentiates mindfulness and meditation. And if you have any questions, please, please contact me, uh, Kathleen at onthebluecouch.com. I'd love to hear from you. And you can always find my podcast on the Blue Couch on iTunes. It's also on SoundCloud. And then, of course, it's also on my blog. So until next time, take good care. And thanks for listening to this episode five.